0: Is, is technology uh, a threat to the restaurant business or is it a door to uh, a bright future?
1: It just makes it more complicated and more complicated. May- creates more opportunities for those people that get it right to be more successful. Those people that don't embrace the digital world are not going to be relevant. And so how do you say relevant in the world? You just keep you keep evolving. You keep getting better. You keep finding out what your customer really wants.
2: Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the, the final episode of season one of the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. And today we have a very special episode because this show is all about celebrating the success stories of Kentucky's most successful entrepreneurs. And that's actually what Keith McMunn and I are going to do today. So, Keith, I'm glad I'm glad you're back. We We have missed your voice thoroughly on the show.
0: Garrett, I'm so glad to be back. I was talking with Chase Fairchild recently about his podcast and he was making me feel one-upped. So I feel like I have an opportunity to come back, compete against him, make our listeners forget all about him. That's my goal here today.
2: Fair enough. There is some midtown rivalry here in Lexington, Kentucky. So again, with the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast, our mission is to raise awareness of the impact that entrepreneurship has made in the Commonwealth of Kentucky and encourage others to pursue similarly ambitious endeavors. That's a lot, of, a lot of big words, but we want people to feel empowered and believed in that they can start something crazy. And so anyways, earlier this past month, we had a really cool opportunity to go down to Tampa, Florida. Tampa
0: Bay. And visit
2: one of the members from the 2014 class of the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame.
0: And if you even clicked on the podcast here today, you probably know who it is. But one of the hints, if you didn't see that name already, is you have you've absolutely eaten at one of his restaurants. Isn't that right?
2: I did actually the weekend before we went and visited him. I had it Saturday afternoon in Bowling Green, Kentucky.
0: Bowling Green, Kentucky. (laughs) Uh, That restaurant is Outback Steakhouse.
2: Yeah, that's right, Keith. So Chris Sullivan was a graduate from the University of Kentucky in 1972. And actually, his restaurant career industry began while he was in college. So he would go back, he would go down to Florida and work in Fort Lauderdale to pay for classes. And after working during the big seasons in Fort Lauderdale, he heard about steak and ale. And that's where he got started and then went on to do things with Bennigan's and was almost in a really cool deal with getting chilies in some of the southeastern states. But he went on to co-found Outback Steakhouse with some solid, solid friends of his And then now, Keith, this is what you're going to talk about, but now he is doing big things with Metro Diner and working with Omnivore, which is a platform that, if I get this correct, is a better way for restaurants and tech people to connect. Connecting
0: all of their point of sale apps and technology, yeah.
2: Perfect. Well, Keith, uh, why don't you give us a little background on what we did in our trip before we go on to hear you guys' time together.
0: As you remember, you were part of the trip. Uh, we went down to Tampa Bay to visit Chris in his office, and uh, it was an exciting flight, if you can if no, you I I remember. I've so, never been
2: stuck in the air that long.
0: Yeah, we had to circle around Tampa Bay for a good 45 minutes to an hour because of lightning in the area which apparently is fitting for Tampa Bay. Uh, we land and we, we immediately get into our rental car and we had lined up a meeting with Tampa Bay Wave, which is a cool accelerator program in Tampa Bay, actually very similar to what Awesome Inc. does in Lexington. Uh, so we had a chance to tour their space, learn from a couple of their directors uh, before we looked out the window and notice that it started downpouring rain.
2: Absolute monsoon, it was bad.
0: And uh, this is important to note because we are wearing our khaki pants and all of our dress clothes that we had been wearing all day for our meeting with Chris Sullivan. Kind of our big moment uh, where we want to interview Chris and impress him. So we look out the mirror, it's downpouring. We don't have umbrellas. We parked our car a good four blocks down the street. Uh, and we had no choice. I mean, the clock was ticking. We had to get to Chris's office in time. Uh, this, this meeting was over a year in the making. Uh, so we run outside, we get completely drenched to the point that our clothes just looked like a darker shade of the color that they actually were. Um, uh, and so we, we headed over to Chris's office. We check in. We talk with his uh, his personal executive assistant, Ava. Ava, if you're listening to this, we we are so grateful for you. You're the, the real all-star in that office. Uh, we sit down. We get all set up. Chris walks in and says, hey, guys, great to see you. I know we agreed on an hour, but I've only actually got 40 minutes, uh, and that's because I've got an off-site meeting. Uh, so let's let's get rolling. And so we jumped into business, we got right to it. Uh, and I had uh, the absolute pleasure to interview Chris about a lot of his uh, the life lessons that he's learned through business and his entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Uh, he, he's got some incredible wisdom, and I think you'll find that soon. Uh, so take a listen. All right. Well, Chris, uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down with you a few years ago to record your founder series video. And in that video, you shared with us a lot of the wisdom, um, that you probably learned by making lots of mistakes, but also by making lots of great decisions, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, particularly with Outback Steakhouse. Um, but now today we have the opportunity to catch up with you and to learn a little bit about what you're up to these days. Um, But do you mind if I ask you a few questions kind of regarding some of uh, maybe even more in hindsight, if hindsight is twenty twenty, maybe a little bit more about the wisdom that you uh, that you gained from your experiences with Outback Steakhouse um, a few years ago? Um, You tend to credit a lot of your success to building the right team. Um, Would you mind speaking to that? How do you how do you build the right team? How do you know you've got the right team when when you've got a few people around the table?
1: Well, fortunately, I had a lot of great mentors. And one of the things that over my time at other companies, uh, that was the key to really being successful out there. And I learned that from Norman Brinker, who was a founder of Steak and Ale and Benigans and eventually Brinker International. And Norman really got the deal that you had to put these great people together. And the other thing he taught us is don't be afraid of young people. Young people have different ways of looking at things. Uh, They uh, have energy. One of the great things about the restaurant industry, the staffs never really get old. So it keeps older guys like me young and young thinking. So you know, putting together the right team of people really was critical to our success. But that's the so critical to any team success. I think all of us know those businesses that have done really well. When you find out what happened, it wasn't one person's idea. It was just a lot of people getting together and doing great things. When companies fail, it's really the lack of recognition. You don't have the right people, the right players, the right teams, just like sports, just like anything else, a rock band. You get the wrong player in there, it can, everything can go bad. And that happens in business too often, especially in entrepreneurial ventures. And so identifying that you have uh, the need to have great people and find people that are, have strengths different than yours and let them do what they do and do best and give them the freedom and the autonomy to do it, uh, to me, is critical to the success of any enterprise. Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. Um, you, I think at, at one point in your chapter of Unbridled Spirit, the book that we wrote um, about all the most successful entrepreneurs from Kentucky, um, I believe that you mentioned that capital, raising capital, is one of the hardest things or the biggest challenges that an entrepreneur is ever going to face. Do you have anything that you can share uh, as an encouragement to entrepreneurs that are seeking capital?
1: I think that's changed dramatically. I think that uh, there's so many people now, there's so much private money out there today looking for places to put it. And there's such a much, there's so much more capital uh, in places all over the country. It used to be in New York and California, but now it's really all over the place. There's, there's successful entrepreneurs, successful people that have made millions and millions of dollars that are reinvesting it because they love the game. They love playing at it. And uh, I, I'm one of those. I think it's wonderful. And uh, so raising capital is still a challenge. Uh, doing a startup is a big challenge, and I think what you know, what you guys are doing, with Awesome Inc. is is a great catalyst. And those are around in other parts of the country as well, where the where these places uh, spout out. They get out there and they really give people a, a roadmap map of what it takes. They make some introductions. We have one here in, in Tampa that's doing well. Uh, so. It's a lot different game, I think, than it used to be. Uh, And it's a much broader uh, audience that's willing to listen and and willing to participate. Uh, You still have to have a great idea. You have to have a a solid thought process of what it's about. And hopefully you're not just asking for angel investing all the time because that's the hardest money to raise. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, you also mentioned that one of the, the biggest challenges that a founder is going to face is focusing on what matters and staying alert on the, the most important things right in front of them. Uh, we live in an information age right now where we have plenty of information. The challenge is to whittle down what's actually um, trustworthy or are going to benefit me or my company. Uh, do you have, do you have any, uh, anything that you'd like to share about staying focused or uh, keeping your eye on the
1: prize? Well, staying focused is a challenge, especially in my golf game, (laughs) things like that. Um, Yeah, you know, focus, there are so many distractions. And when you have so many distractions, focus is there. So, you know, I, I think that uh, like I, I put my phone down when I'm driving to the office and sometimes I uh, listen to music. Sometimes I don't. I don't listen to the news. I basically am trying to get my mind right about starting the work day and, and thinking about things I have to do. In the mornings, uh, the first hour every day is mine. And I, I go walk and I think. And if there's anything bothering me, I focus on that to get th- to get that out of my mind or to have to deal with the first thing. And I, I think focus is a big part of it. And when you see organizations that are wobbling or they're not finding their way, a lot of it has to do with just the focus of the people working in the business and keeping people focused on really what the task at hand is and really making sure they achieve those every week or every day they're supposed to. You have to do that. And there's tools out there to help people do that. But more than anything, you want people that want to do that without somebody looking over their shoulder or telling them you're not doing that exactly right. So focus is a big, big deal. And it's a much bigger deal than ever before because there's so many distractions.
0: Let's, uh, let's trail back real quickly to the conversation about mentorship. If I'm new to a city, uh, here I am in Tampa Bay for the first time in my life, actually. And if I'm a startup founder, and I move here because I like the resources here, the community here, uh, what do I look for in a mentor uh, locally? Or what what do you think is important to, to seek out in a mentor?
1: You know Tampa, as an example, I think is a, almost a Midwestern city that's located in Florida. And people are very open here and very friendly here. And I think in general, it's a, it's, there's a lot of communities that people are open and, and they want growth. They want people to come into their communities and become part of it. So there's always organizations that are out there. And you just have to be smart enough to figure out where you need to go connect with those people. And they're there. You just have to take your time. And it might be a a chamber of commerce, you know, event. It might be whatever. I mean, just there's so many different organizations now trying to get people together to network. And there's a lot of networking events that go on. So it's not difficult to do that. Uh, It's just being patient and making sure you make a a good choice on who you decide to let mentor you and, uh, and really think that through. Mm-hmm. And know that mentor, mentoring is you, you know, you change from time to time. You get you get the best of somebody, take what you really like, and then you find somebody else to get you the next level of information or, or advice, whatever. So, it's, so, it never so, stops.
0: So it's okay to, to graduate mentors of sorts? Uh, sure. It's okay to, or appropriate to kind of move on to I used chapter. to say you
1: fire your mentor. You don't really <laughs> fire them, but you move on. And, and you don't quit them. You don't stop the relationship. It's just a, it, it moves to a different level. And, and, you know, the people I had as mentors, I stay close to for a long, long time. And I still am close to the ones that are still alive. They were all older and I am and now I'm old. So, you know, it's all, it's all great, but it's, it, I mean, it helped me so much. And I, and I encourage people all the time to find those mentors.
0: Right. Well, that's good. Um, one of the, uh, I think, popular parts of your chapter in the book, Unbridled Spirit is a part where you mentioned that business is creating success through people. What does that mean?
1: Well, it's all about people. You know, products are produced by people, right? I mean, it's every, every part of the game we play in this capitalistic system is about people. People develop technology. People, you know, create drugs. People create ideas like restaurants. It's all about people. And if you put people first, you have a chance to really be successful. And that's, that's just been our philosophy for a long time. Again, Norman Breaker is one of those people that taught me about the whole importance of people. Uh, Stephen Covey was an amazing uh, mentor of a lot of ours that Norman brought to us back in our days at Steak and Ale. And we, we, I, have, I have a file of notes on my meetings with Stephen Covey uh, before he wrote his first book. And the win-win solutions, the win-win approach to, to business and people is really, really critical. It's the most important thing, most important lesson I think I learned. And uh, so creating those win-win relationships is very, very important. And it's it served us so well.
0: Yeah. We're sitting in a conference room right now where I noticed before you joined us is that there are there are hundreds of faces of, of people around the country that you're impacting through through business. Yeah. Um, so it's it's fun to, to kind of see this as you talk about it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Outback Steakhouse tends to come up most often uh, when when people will probably talk to you. Um, what are you working on now? What's what's current?
1: Well, I'm still in the restaurant business. We have a new company that we started in 2014, and we have a a concept called Metro Diner. We have two open in Louisville and uh, one open in Louisville, a couple up in Indy. We're coming to Lexington, et cetera. But it's a very casual, you know, comfort food place that got developed in Jacksonville, Florida, a long time ago. And a young guy actually started his career in the kitchen at Outback, went to culinary school. He, he bought it, and uh, it, it became Guy Fieri from Dive-Ins, you know, D3, declared it the best meatloaf in America, and that was before our time with it. But it it reminds me so much of when we opened Outback, and we go walk and do table visits, and customers just look up and smile and say, this is so great. I love this. How do you how do you give us this much food for this amount of money? And that's Metro Diner. It, it, it has those same attributes and very, very passionate followers, and we've got great people working. in the the diner. So I'm doing that. I'm also in the software business. And we have a very successful product called uh, Omnivore.io.io. It's a platform that allows the point of sale systems around the country to integrate with the apps. And, And so without the apps having to write to the point of sale system. So as an example, OpenTable, which everybody knows, OpenTable, a very successful app. Or if you're doing, and so if you're doing OpenTable, you have to have an iPad or some some device that has their, their software on it for you to run your business. Well, now if you're doing delivery and you're using two delivery deal, there's a couple more iPads, right? What Omnivore allows, it, allows the operator to do is integrate those into the point of sale system. So there's not somebody having to watch that. Now somebody has to manage the open table and all that, but allows open table not to have to write and, and service um, and support all these different point-of-sale systems and allows the point-of-sale systems not to worry about all these apps that want to run on their, on their platform. So we have a marketplace of about 200 apps that can run in the hospitality industry. We cover everything from payments to loyalty to uh, you know, payment, et cetera. So uh, it's, it's a new digital restaurant world we're living in. It's a transition that has to take place. So we started working on this stuff about seven years ago and, and it's, it's, it's really working well.
0: Is, is technology uh, a threat to the restaurant business or is it a door to uh, a bright future?
1: It just makes it more complicated and more complicated. It may, it creates more opportunities for those people that get it right to be more successful. Those people that don't embrace the digital world are not going to be relevant. And so how do you say relevant in the world? you just keep you keep evolving you keep getting better you keep finding out what your customer really wants so it's complicated because you have my generation, the baby boom generation that, yeah, we like technology. We use technology. Do we use it the same way millennials use it or Gen X or disease? No, we don't, but everybody's using it. But some, some people like they walk in a restaurant, they want to sit down, they want to be waited on. Other people want to order mobile app order before they walk in the door. And when they sit down, food's brought to them. So it's a very complicated industry. Uh, in this whole transition in all industries, complicated, whether it's retail restaurants, medicine, whatever it's complicated, but, uh, Those people that figure it out and put the right resources in place and make the evolution are going to be really successful. So it's very bright.
0: Great. I love that. That's a great answer. Um, And this is so this is the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast that we are on here. Uh, As the final question, as kind of the sign off, what, what do you have to say to entrepreneurs or innovators? in the state of Kentucky.
1: I think the state of Kentucky is, is a place that's moving forward, which is great. And I think that there's a lot of wonderful people there that have great ideas. There's capital in the state of Kentucky. Uh, all those people that have made it so big is great. And they're, and they're so generous and so many people in the Hall of Fame that live up there that do so many great things for the state and people in the state. So I think that the state of Kentucky and entrepreneurship is alive and thriving. There's so many young people coming through that need to uh, want to be entrepreneurs. They just need to find the right mentors to be entrepreneurs. Nobody does this alone. And I I think the organization that you all have with Awesome Inc. and, and the Hall of Fame group that, you know, goes out there and communicates, they're doing a great service and a lot of great things can happen in the state of Kentucky.
0: Great. Well, that's very encouraging. And I'm, I'm especially happy to hear that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast here. Uh, we really appreciate your time. It's so fun to catch up with you, uh, and, and learn a lot
1: from you. So thank you. Thanks, Keith. Yep. You got it, buddy. Good job.
2: All right. Well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's awesome Inc for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.